This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 6, Episode 14. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of shows. Brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. Today is Wednesday, June 8th, 2022, as of the recording of this episode. And I am your host, Riley Bowman. And today we have a special guest for our program, and I am excited to bring him on here momentarily and introduce him uh, to you all. But first, we'll go ahead and get some sponsor messages out of the way. Uh, First up, we have uh, our preferred ammunition provider for everything we do here at the podcast and at concealedcarry.com. And that is Mountain City Supply. Mountaincitysupply.com is the place to go. Um, They are growing, which is awesome to see. Um, It's nice to think that that's in part somewhat to to many of you that are viewing or listening to this podcast. I know I get your messages saying that you've placed orders with them and whatnot. Um, I do want you to know that while they still have, I think, some of the best pricing in the industry for ammunition right now, especially for those highly sought after calibers, uh, they they do have a little bit of a of a weight on the shipping as they are working as fast as they can with a with a tight tight crew uh, to get those orders out ASAP. Uh, as you might imagine, orders are actually pretty. There, there there's a lot of them right now <laughs> with all the talk recently with. Uh, new proposed gun legislation and whatnot uh orders have been streaming in to the folks at mountain city supply so just be patient with them but know you're gonna get some some of the best quality ammunition in the industry at i think probably the best price that you will find anywhere out there whether you choose their remanufactured rounds or their factory new rounds uh they are both awesome obviously you're gonna save a little bit with the remanufactured ones um i shoot them both uh, I've got you know both varieties and have shot many many thousands of rounds of both, and they go they go bang they go pew just like you would expect them to. The only difference being is the remanufactured ones are made from washed, cleaned, dried, processed, tumbled, uh, once fired brass, but they're otherwise loaded completely the same and QC'd the same as well. Guys, check out MountainCitySupply.com, uh, and uh, we appreciate your support of our sponsors. And especially those guys over there, they're good folks. Uh, Guardian Nation members save uh, extra on Mountain City Supply ammo. So that's something worth considering if you want to save more is uh, joining Guardian Nation. Speaking of Guardians, we have the 2022 Guardian Conference in September of this year, 16th, 17th, and 18th. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday in September in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We hope to see many of you there. Many of you have already signed up. We still have tickets available, but I cannot promise how long they will be available. If you want world-class training over a course of three days and to just have fun and rub shoulders with like-minded folks, including all of us here at the podcast at concealedcarry.com, we hope to see you there. Please consider signing up at guardianconference.com. We have phenomenal instructors will be there presenting incredible curriculum. I was actually just on the phone yesterday with uh, Mickey Shook, who will be teaching there. Mickey of Carry Trainer. Many of you probably know or are familiar with him. And he's going to be teaching a really cool block of instruction. I'm really excited to see. Also want to highlight Gunfighter Gun Oil, which is a sponsor of the Guardian Conference in 2022 and is my preferred uh, lubricant of choice. And also one that we happen to sell on our site. But guys, check out Gunfighter Gun Oil at uh, Gunfighter. I think it's gunfighteroil.com, I think is actually the website. 
but check them out. All right. And, or find them on our website and uh, you'll see their products also at the guardian conference. We hope to see you there again to sign up for the conference. Do so now still have early bird pricing in effect. No promises as to when that'll go away, but it could be soon just depending on signups. Check out guardianconference.com. All right. <clears throat> There's our sponsors. Welcome, Cyrus and Anthony. Recognizing a few of you chiming in on the uh, Facebook and YouTube uh, channel. We're going to get now into the meat of our show. And by that, I'm going to bring on now officially our special guest. There he is. Uh, this is Adam Schultz. Welcome, sir. Thank you for joining me. Howdy. Thank you for having me. Adam is, uh, well, as all of our guests are, like I said, a special guest, but this one's going to be, I think, especially special because of the topic of discussion, uh, not only being super important, but also being highly relevant uh, based on, uh, you know, ongoings and recent uh, events in uh, this country. Um, Adam is the survivor of a school shooting that happened at, uh, uh, at a high school in Western Wyoming back in 2017. In fact, on Inauguration Day of President Trump. Uh, I'll tell you, interesting thing, Adam, is I remember where I was on that day, and I was at SHOT Show in Las Vegas. Uh, and I did not know about this shooting that happened at your school. Uh, I didn't know about it until a few months ago when Matthew uh, Matthew Marister, our, our producer of the podcast, said, hey, there's this guy, and he came through a class of mine, and he seems like he's really cool. And we talked about this, this shooting that happened at his high school. Um, and, uh, he, he's open to coming on the podcast to talk about it. And it, you know, took us a little while to get that set up. And now that we've got you here, um, unfortunately, although again, it is relevant, we've had some recent mass shootings. And so, uh, I think that the timing of this is, is quite interesting. Uh, I imagine that it, uh, brings up some, some emotions, uh, and some, some thoughts, uh, for you. Um, but, uh, we're going to get into that. Adam, would you tell us a little bit about, a little bit about yourself, uh, before we get into uh, what happened on that fateful day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, I grew up here in Ohio. Uh, and I, I mean to like, correct you here just a second. You, uh, mentioned it was Western Wyoming. It is, uh, Western Ohio. Did I say Wyoming? Yeah. That was just a... <laughs> That was a little bit of a Freudian slip, if you will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ohio. Thank you for catching me on that. Yeah. That, yeah, no funny. problem. You, Wyoming is a, co- is a common topic on this podcast due to our <laughs> other host, Jacob, being from Wyoming. And I like to give him crap for that. But anyway, <laughs> Ohio. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Continue on. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, uh, what's the reason I'm uh, high school? Um, K through 12 school. Uh but uh, no, I grew up in here in Ohio, Bell Fountain mostly. Uh, um, now I'm living in Marysville, working uh, in Plain City for uh, industrial controls. Um, stayed in Ohio the entire time, though. So I, I went four years at ONU um, up in Ada, Ohio. Um, just local yokel, per se. Um, but yeah, the, the um, shooting has been about it's been five and a half years now. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it, yeah, it, it was inauguration day. And, uh, I believe wholeheartedly that the inauguration actually covered up a lot of that 
the incident itself, which uh, ended up becoming more of a like a good thing for uh, our school per se, with not having such a massive media attention, uh, especially for such a small town, such a small school. Uh, it mostly stayed local, and it was just within the schools of Ohio, and so it, it more or less became uh, a nice thing from other schools, especially when uh, they had reached out to us or reached out to uh, other students to ask if they were okay, and like just local people essentially reaching out. Mm. Um, so as you mentioned, it's about five and a half five and a half years ago. Uh, January twentieth, twenty seventeen. Here we are in twenty twenty two. What what year did you graduate from uh, from the high school there, from West Liberty Salem? Uh, twenty seventeen. So, oh, so that's right. Okay, mm-hmm. so twenty seventeen, you graduate. So later that year, um, and good for you. Sounds like you have. Uh, I mean, you said you're working in uh, in controls, automated controls, or what was it yep. again? Yep, industrial controls. That's automation. Yep, that's cool. You enjoy you enjoy your work. Yeah. Yes, I do. That's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Um, so 2017, January, inauguration day. The shooting happens. Um, yeah. I mean, do you, do you want to go there now? Should we, should we share the story? Yeah. Yeah, we can. I, I suspect that probably like myself, most of the, those listening or viewing this podcast uh, aren't f- familiar with it. Uh, I I, I mean, it may have made some regional, maybe in national news somewhere as a, as a mention, like FYI, there was a shooting in a school in Ohio today, but it certainly didn't get the level of attention that uh, some other, you know, including recent events uh, get. Um, and that's probably a good thing, right? And good because it would have gotten more attention if it would, if it had been worse than it was. Right, mm-hmm. and you know yes. what I mean by that. Like yeah. it, it would be a different story. It mm-hmm. would just be another one in an unfortunate uh, long list of similar events. And, and I, I, I thought I'd share with you really quick uh, before we turn it to you to, to share this. You know the events of that day. Uh, I feel somewhat of a not a connection. That's not the right word. But like I, th- there's this kind of speaks to me a little bit because um, just uh, last year in uh, a small town, very close to where I grew up at a very, very small, again, similar to probably yours, small school. Uh, in this case, a small middle school, there was a uh, shooting and a couple students were, were wounded and a teacher was wounded. Uh, very similar uh, circumstances to your own uh, event there in, in Ohio. Uh, and the reason why I bring that up is like these kinds of things can happen to any school, to any community, anywhere. And, and yeah, that's an important thing I think to, to recognize because, you know, some, some things we, we see in the news, we hear about, and we think, oh, well that was, you know, that was in Florida or Texas or, you know, in this big city or that big city. And that doesn't really apply to me. That, 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 that won't happen to me. That won't happen to my kids. And that's just frankly the wrong attitude to have, I think, because the same is true of just about any violent event that can take place. Like it, these violent events occur to good people 
every day across this country in all kinds of communities, across all kinds of demographics in all different areas of the country. It's just, uh, it's just the reality. So I, 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 I mentioned that cause I, I, I hope that it is a reminder to all of us to like always be prepared because it's easy to get complacent and be like, Oh, I just live in some small sleepy town and, or I go to some small little school or whatever. And like, Nothing to worry about here, right? Surely, nothing to worry about here. But things can happen in in a moment before you before you even realize it. And I think that comes into play a little bit with, uh, you know, you shared a little bit about this event with me before we went live at the podcast. And there were a couple of things that you mentioned that kind of stuck out to my mind that uh, I think kind of apply to to what I was just saying here. So, anyway, I, I just thought I'd share that um, that that happened. Uh, the school, the shooting, the shooting I'm referring to that kind of was a little bit more close to the home for me was in Idaho where I grew up uh, at a middle school that is next door to where my sister's children go to school. So kind of hit a little bit close to home. Fortunately, everybody's okay. But now back to you and back to your story. That's what we're here for today. January 20th, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Where so, do you want to begin? Uh, I guess I can just start like the very beginning of the day since it happened at the very beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all get into our first period classes. Um, most of the classes had already started by then because it was around, I want to say 7.30, 7.40-ish in the morning and like the first bell or however you want to say, like the very first class starts around like 7.35-ish. Okay. Um, so just like with my classroom alone, uh, we, I was in government, um, and that day, uh, there were students preparing to go on a, a field trip for mock trial. Uh, so for the government class, the government teacher heading for a mock trial cl- or trip. Um, so there was probably about 10, 15 students out in the hallway preparing for that. Um, the rest of my class was obviously inside class and, we were just trying to sort out things before they had left. Uh, so they were getting one last bathroom break essentially before leaving about nearly five minutes before leaving. Um, one student enters the bathroom at the same time that another student was leaving the stall. And the student that was leaving the stall was uh, unfortunately the shooter. Um, so the timing of the event that had taken place uh, just moments notice, essentially um, the shooter had fired two rounds uh, with his uh, Mossberg 500 uh, using birdshot at this student. Um, hit him at about a 10-foot range, I want to say. Um, the student had fell. All the rest of, like, especially the surrounding classroom, just immediately fell silent. Um, and I had spoken to you earlier about it. The school had been under construction for about a year, year and a half. And months earlier... Uh, they were working on the roof, metal roof, using a nail gun, and it has sounded exactly like it. So some of the students, uh, like myself, thought, well, this is, that was like really loud, but that sounded like it was just construction. Um, other students, like uh, like the ones out in the hallway, uh, immediately terrified. They hadn't heard this before because it was on break that we were hearing it. And two, they just knew it was like really close. So they had ran into the bathroom or not the bathroom, sorry, into the room uh, immediately as my teacher was also entering the bathroom to find out 
that had that sound came from here. I need to go check it out. So this is your teacher. Yes. So he exited the classroom mm-hmm. that you were in. Yeah. To I guess go go check things out. Yes. Yeah. Because he had known like these were his mock trial students as well. Like they were all preparing to leave. So first thing, obviously, uh, he was like, "I need to go check on the student because he said he had to go use the restroom." He walks um, halfway into the restroom and sees that the student is now lying on the floor. Um, as he walked around the corner, the shooter had actually ran up uh, to the edge and to try try to get a perspective on these bathrooms. It is a uh, entryway to a wall, and then it's like an L entering mm-hmm. into the bathroom. And so as he came around that L. He had noticed out of the corner of his eye, someone else standing in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he immediately stops, looks, and sees that this, uh, this person is sitting there with a the mask and a, and a firearm and immediately runs back. And my teacher at the time, he was no more than about three years from retirement. Um, so for him to be able to sprint back and... Uh, run into the classroom and start yelling. I mean, like that was a shock to all the rest of us students. Most right. of the students from like that were in the hallway were already in the corner. Um, the rest of the students in the class were pretty much standing. I was uh, one of the only students that was actually close to the door at the time. So when my teacher came running back, uh, he was yelling, uh, shooter, shooter. And it had just become like, oh, like just one of those moments where you're just like, what did, what did he just say? What's going on? And about a couple seconds later, it clicks. He is like in a full dead sprint, slamming this door after that noise. That's got to be bad. And at that moment, I just like decided to take a dive from the door. And that's when the first shot of two came through our doorway. Uh, it came through our window. So all I knew at the time was just like, I just heard the loud, uh, sound of the rifle going or the shotgun going off followed by just seeing glass go like past me. Mm. Uh, and I don't remember the second shot. Uh, I don't remember from when I got to, like from when I hit the floor to when I got in the corner of the classroom with the other students. Um, and I like barely remember the fourth or no, I'm sorry, the fifth and sixth shots going into the neighboring classroom right beside ours. Um, but about five to 15 seconds, uh, after that, like it was just dead silent. You couldn't, you didn't want to move a muscle. All of us in there were just, just staring at this window. My teacher was actually in the corner beside the, uh, window holding a chair. Uh, so he was like waiting for something to either enter the window or try to enter the doorway. Um, but for the rest of us, like after that 15, 20 second mark, we were just thinking, mm. all right, we got to do something. And so, uh, now, do, you, do you mind if I ask a question real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not to derail you too much, I hope, but any, any locks on the school door or anything like that? Um, there are locks on the school door, but mm-hmm. um, these doors are like the fire prevention doors. So they do open mm-hmm. outwards only mm-hmm. into the hallway. Um, the locks are just straight deadbolts and they're right on the door. I don't remember if my teacher was actually able to lock the door. Yeah. All I remember, like I just see, saw him grab that handle and mm-hmm. turn the corner inside the door right. and just slam that door. Yeah. 
but yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. I was just curious, just curious. I mean, you mentioned this, your school had been recently under construction, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, compared to, I think how schools were being built 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, I, I, I assume that there's probably, um, some element of security that's, uh, you know, at least available to, to a degree. Yeah. But again, you, you've got here. So it sounds like uh, the shooter is basically, he's now just going along and he's, he's taking pot shots through the doors or, or the windows of the doors into the classrooms. Is that, is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So there were the two shots in the bathroom and then mm-hmm. two shots into our classroom and then two shots in the neighboring classroom. Yeah. That's six shots. Yeah. Uh, this is the Mossberg 500, which yeah, we're getting close to the, the you know, full it's two. capacity at that point. Exactly. Right? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and continue. Um, so yeah. Um, like assuming on that, yeah, he's out of shots essentially, or close to being out of shots. He didn't mm-hmm. fire another round after that. So okay. we can assume that maybe he was, uh, retreating, but, um, for all the rest of us that were in the classroom, like I said, that hit that 15, 20 second mark. And we're just thinking we can't just let right. like this happen. Um, right. So for a lot of the students that were in there, like the, uh, there was um, four to five football players in there, including myself. Um, a lot of uh, females for like the mock trial and then a couple basketball players as well, um, including myself as well in that uh, list. But uh, we basically like, you just saw all the guys get up really quick yeah. and we just started throwing like these desks and stuff at the door uh, right. because uh, I don't remember how many years ago Alice protocol started becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. And Alice protocol essentially uh, for those that don't know is that these students get into the farthest portion of the classroom and essentially arm themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they can escape mm-hmm. through the windows, through any means necessary to get out, but it's just to be in a defense. Uh, so that way they're able to just defend who they can, what they can. Um, and so, like I said, my teacher was uh, sitting there at the door with a chair, like just on the other edge of it. And then uh, we started throwing these desks at the uh, door. Um, and we probably had about five, six desks, several chairs up along this door uh, that opens outwards. So there's, Essentially, it's just to slow them down. Yeah. Um, right. And at the same time, we had another football player uh, who grabbed a chair and started hitting these windows. Uh, the reason he was hitting these windows, these Alice Protocol windows that had just recently been installed, uh, a lot of them were actually installed incorrectly in the school. And mm. how they're supposed to work, you pull a handle, you push on the window, and the window just pops out. This did not happen for a lot of the windows. Um some classes were actually able to utilize that. Like they pulled the handle, pop the window out perfectly fine. Several other classrooms were, did not have that happen. Ours being one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so the student was hitting this window and this window is uh, brand new. It was bulletproof. And so he's just spider webbing this window. He's not doing anything past this point. Uh, we just had to make a decision. So we decided like just to open the window as much as we could and try to get out from it. And these windows only open to like six inches to eight inches wide. That's all we had. Um, so a lot of the students just got out as quick as they could through those windows, uh, especially in our classroom. And the last three people, uh, myself, another student and their teacher were the last ones to get out of our classroom, out through the window. 
Um, and as soon as that happened, I proceeded, like I got out, looked down the way, other students were having the same problem. They couldn't get their windows open. So very first thing we ran down there to those windows and we can't get them open far enough. And you just see these football players just like grabbing onto these windows, trying to just shear the metal, like hinges off these doors or off these windows, just to get something going, just to get more room, just anything. Uh, we were able to get it open just a couple more inches and that ended up becoming enough because there were students, uh, there was one in particular that was injured and on crutches that was inside the window, like trying to get out. Um, that's obviously first priority is to get the yeah. injured out first. They weren't injured due to the shooting. They were just injured in general uh, with crutches. And so they weren't able to get out. And so I uh, reached in behind them and was able to grab in behind them and pull them through the window completely. Um, and mm-hmm. it worked out well enough and we were able to get them out fast enough that I just continued to do that for pretty much the rest of the students because we wanted to get them out quickly as safe as possible set. There's no slowdown. Um, so we got, I got all the students out of that window, got the teachers out of that window. None of the other windows that, uh, I could see, like there was no other students coming out, uh, from the rest of the windows, from the ones who did evacuate from the windows. Uh, so we started making our way towards, uh, the ball fields mm-hmm. on the school grounds. Uh, the reason why we went to the ball fields is that was pretty much one of the only places at the time that had trees for cover. Um, and it was pretty much the farthest point on the school grounds. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, this is a, this is a rural community school mm-hmm. and like, I'm looking at the map right now, right? This is just, just to paint the picture for those that are listening or, or viewing uh, completely surrounding this school are fields. And it, it sounds like uh, one of the main crops is corn. Is that right? In that area? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just fields, 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 fields all the way around. <clears throat> but this is um, January, so it's not like you have – you don't have, like, six-foot-tall stalks of corn or anything, mm-hmm. right? It's just open fields. looks like uh, to the east of the school, there's some big, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, farm structures implement, uh, uh, grain silos or that kind of thing, you know. And, and I do see the, like, the trees that you're – you know, re- referring to. So it makes perfect sense. I mean, you guys were able to get out and it's like, well, we can't just be out here in the open. Let's get somewhere a little bit safer. So good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, a lot of the, uh, teachers were trying to like essentially round up students and get them going a specific direction because in the midst of all this is chaos. You can't, yeah. You can try to plan for something like this as much as you possibly can, but when it actually comes time, like when this thing does happen or if it does happen, a lot of people won't know what to do or it's just right out right out of their ears. They don't they don't understand how to do it. And the like the biggest moment of clarity, I mean, just for me is just we have to get to that amount of cover. We can at least see what's going on from there and be somewhat protected in this area, especially visually. Um so uh grabbed a few of the students that were kind of meandering at that point and uh, pointed them in that direction. We headed over there. There's probably about rough estimate, 30 to 50 students that were just there alone. Uh, now this is actually a small school. It's K through 12. Um, so you have graduating all ages. Yeah. Yeah. And cool. exactly. And the graduating class is about 90 to a hundred. So just to give like an estimate of, uh, 
how many kids there are. Uh, a lot of them ended up, especially on the separate wings of the schools, of the school itself, they were actually able to stay in their classroom and lock their door. But for those that were... Oh, I'm sorry. There's there's the weather alert we yeah, thought. Yeah, no might, doubt. Might happen. So, folks, uh, just to explain, since you're hearing some noise, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking before we went live here with the uh, show that there's some severe weather in uh, Adam's area there, uh, hoping that that doesn't uh, impact him too bad directly anyway. Um, I believe there was actually a tornado, at least from what I saw looking online, there's like a tornado on the ground uh, south of where you are or southwest of where you are. Um, hopefully everybody is okay um, through all of that. Yeah, so yeah. you just checking the, the weather update there? Yeah, just taking a look at the radar. It does look yeah. pretty gross, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. While he's uh, doing that, um, I thought I'd just uh, touch on a couple of things here. Um, it, so far from what Adam's told us, I mean, so far there's some some very fortunate things. Uh, one is that this is a school that had taken some, you know, of its security somewhat somewhat seriously, right? Like hearing that you hearing you talk about how like these exterior windows were bullet resistant and that there's locks on the classroom doors and you know things of that nature i'm like wow okay this this is this is good because there's a lot of schools that don't have that and mm-hmm. those are like very very basic um things i think mm-hmm. in today's world especially i was fortunate to participate in a uh, school district uh, committee uh, a couple years back for, for my school district where I live and the one that my kids attend, uh, where we spent months and months working on uh, a school safety and security plan to go before the school board with a bunch of recommendations that ultimately many of them were accepted and funded. And it's been reassuring to see as they've been hardening the security of my kids' schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, actually the timing of that worked out pretty well too, where they were able to, they were able to get a lot of that done, uh, during COVID when yeah. the schools were shut down and kids weren't actually in the school, they were able to, during the school year, actually get some of that work done. Uh, so like my kid's school now is very different from what it used to be as far as like the exterior doors are bulletproof. The windows are bulletproof. Um, they got, you know, some pretty strict, uh, security pro- protocols in place and, uh, that, that's good. And so I'm, I'm just saying that I think this is great that some things clearly had been taken seriously enough with respect to your school that they had implemented some things. And you mentioned Alice pro- protocols, which is great too. I mean, the fact that you're familiar with that, that uh, you, and, and that your teacher, like he took steps immediately to start trying to defend and protect you guys, his students. Um, and that you guys were not willing to be victims. Like, that's awesome. The other fortunate thing here is, and again, I'm just, I'm just, you know, eating up time while you were, while I'm making sure your, your, your weather is okay for you to continue. Um, is it, it, if I understand correctly, Adam, the shooter uh, was using, you said birdshot. And, and mm-hmm. by the sound of it, from some articles I read, it sounded like pretty small birdshot, um, which, was a blessing in of itself because um, we had the one student that was, you know, shot right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very unfortunate, obviously. 
and uh, his name is Logan, if I recall, right? Yes. Yeah. Reading news reports, um, and he survived, mm-hmm. right? And how is he doing today? Um, from my understanding, from like social media, from what I've seen him, he's actually doing very well. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, I don't want to look it up now because I don't want to waste time doing it. But sure. Uh, I believe he's uh, engaged now, so cool. Good for him. He's doing very well. Um, I know that a lot of um, the injuries that he did suffer with this, I know that it may be lifelong because he still has pellets inside of him. So he, right. he's, he has to worry about certain levels, uh, especially like iron in his blood. So he just has to worry about that for probably a lifelong thing yeah. now. But um, in other yeah. instances, like he's, he's uh, to the point now where he's able to physically do very well with things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously a terrible thing and a tragedy uh, there. And, and uh, as you mentioned, potentially lifelong uh, uh, consequences resulting from this. However, he, he is alive and had the shooter maybe use some other ammunition. It might've turned out very differently for oh, him. Absolutely. In fact, uh, from what I recall reading um, after he was shot and the shooter walked over to him and was like, wait, you're not dead. Kind of like he asked him, you're not dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was obviously a surprise, I think to the shooter. Um, and it's just, it's incredible that everybody involved in this came out of it alive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, going along with that one of the most like shocking portions of it. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get into this more um, later on, especially with the recent shootings. Um, the, um, when he had said, you're still alive. Um, Logan was just sitting there breathing and he had several of his teeth knocked out from this. Uh, he was just um, bleeding. He had, I believe, I don't remember how small the distance was, but he had several pellets very close to like his spinal column itself in which it would, could paralyze him and several pellets that were actually very close to his heart. Um, but, uh, uh, the shooter had asked him if he would, uh, even if I remember right, he picked his hand up and put it in like the actual trigger guard or he put it on the uh, handle on the trigger and asked him to shoot him. This is the shooter asking Logan yes. to now end the shooter's life. Yes. When, yes. After, once he realized that Logan was still mm. still alive. Yes. Yeah. And um, from what I recall, uh, especially from like the stories in like in court and uh, Logan had just told him, no, no, I can't, I can't do that. Um, and yeah. I, I can't remember, uh, but I believe Logan, also had already like for like start forgiving him for it, which incredibly like it's just one of those wow moments like how especially for doing something so poorly like and hurtful to him mm-hmm. how is he able to just forgive him immediately back for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. That that is that's incredible. That's remarkable, and uh, is in part, I think a redeeming part of this, uh, terrible tragedy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how did the shooter gain access to this school? I mean, obviously he's a student, right. And, and mm-hmm. you got, 
you know, kids uh, obviously coming to school, like they got to come to school somehow. Uh, but it, it, what can you say as far as like, how does he walk into the school, I guess, with a shotgun? Uh, yeah. So um, that morning he had actually taken apart his shotgun. He had uh, disassembled it into two pieces so that he, way he was able to actually fit it into his book bag. And unfortunately at the time, like I said, the school's under construction. Um, excuse me. Um, there are normally doors that are locked uh, almost all the time. And with how the school is structured, the parking lots are like really far away from the actual entrances of the, uh, to the building. Mm-hmm. And with the wings being moved around, uh, the high school students no longer had like direct access to where they needed to be. So they mostly left the doors unlocked and they did lock at, I think like I said like seven forty-five, like 10 minutes after like first class starts. Um, so some of the doors are locked because there's no one that can or should enter from there unless you have a key card, like a staff member or uh, direct access from the parking lot or like the front door. And uh, he just, and the crazy part is like he drove to school normal day. Obviously he has a younger sister. He drove to school that day with his younger sister in the car and they just, he just walked in. And from the moment that he walked in, he's just sat in the bathroom, uh, either assembling, preparing, trying to mentally prepare um, up until the moment of action. Mm. So do you mind if I ask you some more about the the shooter in this case, as far as like, uh, was this, did this come as a total shock and surprise to everybody or were there warning signs of any kind or sort? I mean, what, what do you have to say to that? Um, for me, it was absolutely a shock. Mm. Um, I had played football with this student. Uh, I, I, I told you about it earlier in terms of, uh, he was in the same defensive line group as me. Uh, so I was kind of close not extremely close, but kind of close to him. I knew him, played football with him. Um, I knew he was also in wrestling and some other activities. Um, but I believe the people that were closer to him had a couple of warning signs. But in like what we talked about earlier, in a setting so small, in a school so small, they didn't really have any reason to think it was a true warning for any type of circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um from what I recall, uh, he had he was pretty much going to fail a drug test for wrestling, and he was doing very very well for wrestling. And the reason being of why he was going to fail the drug test was because he was taking prescribed pills that were not for him uh, to lose weight or to keep weight, mm. and that was the reasoning of why he was going to fail the drug test. And it was mostly due to uh, the drug screenings of the school for um, sports. Mm -hmm. You've always going to have that kid that's just like, "Ah, I never get screened. I never get screened. And this time he had gotten screened. And I believe he also said that he had smoked uh, marijuana like the day before. Before his screening. Yeah. And I can't be absolutely certain of that, but um, that's just from recollection from two years ago in, Mm -hmm. uh, in the trial. Mm -hmm. Um, three years ago, sorry. Um, so there were, like I said, he did send a couple messages 
to a friend and there were like weren't any massive like red flags in it. it just essentially like oh this is he he's gonna or like the uh the student director i believe is who he meant or the athletics director is who he mentioned in it um he said that he's just going to get payback for for it somehow. Didn't specify in any type of detail, and I think honestly it was like a last last minute, last second decision before actually leaving the, uh, to go to school that day, in terms of how he was going to like prepare this. Mm. Um. Wow. Yeah. So, just. From you know, interpreting from what you've said here, it, it kind of sounds like you know he he may have said some things, but they might have, um, I mean, like people say things all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and this this is I think one of the the trying things of such situations where, like, we don't, I don't think we want to turn into a society where we turn everybody in for every little thing. Cause mm-hmm. that's, that's not a good, decent, productive society. At the same time, we do see actual legitimate, you know, situations where, you know, things are missed, mm-hmm. uh, very, very, very obviously, you know, uh, referring to some of the other shootings that have occurred obviously. And, and, and so it's, uh, yeah, I, this is where it's like, yeah, we, we want to talk about, solutions we want to talk about mental health we want to talk about mental health support or all these different things right but like it it, we're 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 still human beings dealing with human beings and like nothing about that is ever going to be perfect yeah absolutely you know yeah Hmm. all right so i i kind of sidetracked you a little bit i mean I, I think you you probably could tell us a little bit about um, the aftermath and, and things, but uh, I mean, why don't you wrap up kind of the um, retelling of the events that day in whatever form that you think would be appropriate for right now before we shift into, you know, talking about some of the issues behind, um, you know, events like this one and, and uh, what maybe some of the answers or solutions might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, with like wrapping up with that, uh, the story here, uh, I'm pretty much just going to talk about the hours after of it and like a condensed kind of yeah. version of it. Um, so after the shooter had been detained, after the rest of the school had been cleared, uh, all the students were asked to come back to the school all through the main entrance, uh, just trying to get a head count of everyone. And like what we had talked about earlier, wide open school. A lot of kids don't know what to do in that situation. And they just ran. Um, We had talked earlier about a couple or a student that had ran all the way back to town itself, which would have been West Liberty. And that is easily a couple miles, three, four miles away. Um, So that just kind of gives you a a general idea or an aspect of the chaos or the start of the chaos for what was to follow for hours. and not only that, but now you have like students that were calling their parents, obviously, or trying to leave because several of them were able to actually access their car from the parking lot and attempt to leave. So um, the actual school itself was on a main highway, one road in 
and one entryway in, one entryway out on a big highway. And like I said, as soon as those phones start coming out and they're starting to call their parents, parents just flee right there to it or not flee, but yeah, you, they, they try to get to their kids. Yeah. Reasonable thing to do. Yeah. Um, so the school itself, the road itself was backed up for miles. Uh, students or pe- teachers were sent. I'm sorry. Parents were walking down the highway to get to the school. That's not, good at all for any type of um, uh, law enforcement, any type of uh, right. um, yeah, just anyone that's trying we, to we've now hampered the response. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I did tell you earlier that I, I can't confirm if it was a rumor or if it actually was true, but there was a father that had been stopped on the road, not able to uh, get there, obviously. So he started walking down the road and he was walking down the road with a shotgun. That also is not a very good look in terms of there is a suspected shooter at the school with a firearm suspected of a shotgun. Yeah. It's not a very good look for that. Yeah. Um, so all these students were returning or attempting to return or at least getting a head count of where they were back into the school. Uh, and we were all gathered in the auditorium, the gym, and um, uh, just from that point on, it was hours. Uh, like I said, the shooting happened somewhere around uh, 740, 750 in the morning, and we were released to go on the buses to go to the nearest park to be dropped off to our parents around noon. Uh, and that's just from what I remember. It could be later. It could be earlier. But that's all I remember is just it was around noon. Um, but the media presence in that, I, and like I said, it was a small school and it was pretty much shattered by the inauguration. But the media presence is still there in terms of the small surrounding areas. Students were on their phones immediately talking about, like, posting what they could on social media. Yep. That's where a lot of, like, the disinformation came from is because it came from not reliable sources or um, students just throwing out things. And so just sitting there in the gym hearing it, we're number two on Twitter right now trending for hashtag pray for WLS. It's like, that's that it was such a maddening time because no one was taking this as seriously as what they should have. Mm. Um, and then afterwards, obviously when being dropped off with the parents, um, questions were asked and, um, just trying to explain as best I could, or trying to like keep a calm collective of, uh, how to explain it and when to explain it. And later that night, um, it became, really evident that I had to start explaining things as uh, I found out, unfortunately, like when I leaned back on one of my chairs, uh, my back was sore and I had found that it was a pellet lodged within like the first layer of my skin. Um, I had, I didn't know it was a pellet at first. And so when it was removed, it was actually removed just by like squeezing the skin and the pellet just fell out. And I didn't know it until I actually heard the pellet hit the, like the leather on the seat. Like uh, that's not, probably not a good thing yeah so and sorry to like this is the first that anybody here on the on the episode is hearing this but you were you were struck Mm -hmm. from one of these fired you know shotgun shells and you didn't know it yeah i had hours i had absolutely no idea and one of the craziest parts is like when we were in the gym waiting 
uh, I had a student, I asked him if he could like just, because I was so close, I actually um, asked him to check and see if there was just glass anywhere, like in my hair, or just on my neck, anything mm. like that, because the window had just fully shattered. And so I had just asked him if he could just do an inspection of that because I was just that close. And um, thinking about it over these years later, um, I believe it was a ricochet pellet because the angle of it and just, I mean, for how close it was and for it to hit my back square in the center like that and for how it looked when it actually like came out of my skin, it was flat on a surface and it looked like it was probably one of the first pellets to actually hit the glass. Yeah, And if not, like, maybe a second or third pellet just bouncing off of another. Um, but I was still like very fortunate and like just extremely close to being hit with more to being peppered. Um, but yeah, it was, it became very evident very like quickly that this is uh, now going to be turning into a bigger problem. Um, and so the next morning, like we had called the, uh, police, we had ta- told them uh, exactly what happened, with, and uh, my shirt had a hole through it, so that had to be turned in for evidence. The pellet itself had to be turned in for evidence, and we tried to take as many pictures as we could that night, just because, like, I mean, it's now quote unquote tampered with evidence, um, and mm-hmm. no more than twenty four hours after finding out. Uh, granted, I did, I I told a couple of. Uh, close friends that I had been struck. Um, And from there on, I mean, it's like how any high school is, especially with social media. It kind of spread like wildfire to some. And so I had some people that I had never talked to message me and say like, Hey, you got shot. And that was, that became an evident moment to me. Like, I think I made a mistake talking about this, especially not like, when I should have just been to the police, it should have just been straight up in a, uh, in an actual report mm. because a couple of weeks later, when we returned to school and we returned to playing sports, um, there were articles posted with pictures of me showing like, and like one of the articles I specifically remember is like, uh, Adam Schultz returns to playing basketball against so-and-so team after being shot in the arm on whatever day, like January 20th. And it just, it was earbull at that point because I was under 18. I didn't have any reason to talk to the actual media. They had no reason to like release a name. Um, so it just became irritating that, uh, the misinformation from that spread very fast Mm. and it didn't become clear or evident until probably about months after that. It was actually like I was struck in the back that, and like that's just a small thing compared to like the big outlook of all of the incident that occurred but it's small enough to know like there's a lot of misinformation that gets spread really quickly from that yeah 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 i have to agree i mean almost every shooting that i've ever paid attention to from when you first hear about it to days and weeks and sometimes months later you like how much the story changes is uh is pretty remarkable and uh which is why we here at the podcast uh we we follow the 72 hour rule at a minimum uh which is kind of something john korea um i don't know if he came up with but i know that's a thing for him as well on his uh youtube channel um just not really talking about 
you know, incidents like this for at least 72 hours uh, because there's kind of no point mm-hmm. because you just don't even know what to believe mm-hmm. uh, for at least a few days. And then again, like as we're seeing with Uvalde, like we're still figuring stuff out, you know, exactly with yep. that one. Um, and I think we'll continue to find out new and more accurate information about it over the coming weeks and months. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that perspective with us. Actually, it's, uh, mm-hmm. kind of hearing that from the first hand perspective and also just kind of your thoughts about it as far as how, I mean, you weren't appreciative of the fact that this was being talked about in the media, the way it was when it affected you directly and was not the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, like I had said, like a lot of it was true, but there was definitely some portions of it that you saw two total different things going on. And that's just not like only to like what happened to me. Like there were other portions that were saying like, yeah, he had malicious intent for days or he had, um, uh, rumors of like, just that he had, he was on drugs. He was intoxicated, anything like that. They were just at that point, rumors and things Mm -hmm. to just be sent out as quick as possible over a media channel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to, I'm realizing we're going to quickly run out of time here, but, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, this is all very compelling, obviously. Uh, so I, I want to ask you a couple of questions real quick regarding to the trial. Uh, cause you mentioned, you've mentioned a couple times now, and it sounds like you at the very least attended the trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you also like a witness in the trial or anything like that? Um, I was asked to give an actual statement within the trial. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I, I believe that, especially with um, the statements that I had already given, um, all the information that I had uh, given up to the actual like court itself, uh, I believe that I had fully explained out in every detail, especially uh, for me being so little a portion of this actual incident, just being hit by a pellet became a whole nother victim in this. and. Mm if I wasn't hit by it, none of like anything that I would have said would have been in that courtroom. Mm. Uh, so I didn't really believe that there was uh, a reason to add any more detail to it by going up to the stand or anything in terms of being a witness for it, other than what I had specifically wrote down uh, months after it had happened, because I had a clear conscious and collective at that moment of what was going on. Mm. And like I had said this, I believe the trial if I remember right, took place um, near the summer of 2019. So almost two years after, uh, after the actual shooting had occurred. Right. Um, so uh, a lot of it was still between what I had believed to be Logan's family, the school and the state of Ohio versus the shooter. And so I didn't believe I had a massive portion in that, except for just literally being there to be a victim of what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. so yeah, like I didn't feel like there was very much extra input to be given besides the fact that I was hit. Yeah. So. And, and then, well, can you tell us real quick, what, what was the outcome of the trial and, uh, uh, where's the shooter now? Um, the shooter is, uh, in prison currently. And, uh, from what I recall, he, he didn't, uh, graduate from the school, but he did graduate or he did at least get his GED in jail or in mm-hmm. prison. Um, 
I'm not sure the uh, amount of years until parole, but I, if I remember right, I believe it was 23 years and then up to a certain amount until parole. Mm. Um, but I, I, time being right now, I, I just currently know that he is in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, as obviously someone that was there and experienced this and obviously knew the shooter, uh, what was your own personal desire or if you had one, if, if you even felt like anything that you wished in that regard was relevant? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm curious just to hear from you, like what your perspective was as far as like what should happen to the shooter. Um, I, I just knew that for me, giving the details of what just happened and not necessarily like emotionally, because I did know the shooter and I also knew very well the victim in this case, uh, Logan. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was a conflicting party essentially. And that's why months afterwards, when it became more clear uh, to me to be able to like say what I needed to, um, I also like everyone wants to know, especially like the ones who are a little bit closer they want to like go and ask the person why they did it. Uh, I obviously had that, but I also obviously knew that I couldn't, I can't. So the best I can do is just sit and wait, wait for an answer, wait for something to come out of it. Um, I do know that like uh, one of the times after basketball practice, I just kind of like was just sitting there and my football coach had came up to me and uh, this was, probably no more than a couple weeks afterwards uh, when we just finally started coming back to school and he sat down beside me and I just immediately lost it because I was a senior. He was within my defensive group within like our six people, I think in our defensive group for this position. Uh, I was close to him in terms of this aspect. And I personally thought that I was someone that he could have come and talked to about anything. Um, and so it really hit me kind of hard too, because here I am just thinking like there was nothing I could have done because I didn't know. No one knew. So. Mm. Mm. Again, thank you for sharing your perspective on all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I like, what I like to uh, kind of focus on now for the remainder of our time is um, number one, what's your, um, what are your feelings about these recent shootings that have occurred, including Uvalde? Um, so I kind of like follow the same rule in terms of like the 72 hour thing, but mine is more or less like more extensive, especially for, uh, for a group that's not close to me. Uh, I'd rather wait and hear everything. And that could obviously take months to years. Um, and from being an actual victim of it, I know for a fact especially the ones who had lost loved ones, they are going to be extremely hurt to the point of they either don't want to talk about it. They will uh, overly talk about things that probably can't or shouldn't be talked about mm-hmm. yet. Um, and so uh, I know that it's in terms of my perspective and my experience, none of it can correlate to their experience, especially for losing a loved one. Um, the injured ones that did survive it, um, they, that's a portion of it to where you can actually, 
uh, I can actually coincide with, but it's just something that you can't really uh, explain because it's not your own personal per like uh, person's thoughts. Like I can't relate to every single one of the per- people that were shot. So mm-hmm. I can't give an experience or give an opinion upon their own basis or their, uh, on their side of the story. Um, but for the ones that, uh, I mean, at this point you can only just speculate and you can only just say like, especially for moving on from now, um, you can only say like, what can we do better? And there's a lot of things that schools already do, like what we already talked about. And the only thing that you can really do from here on is just mental health classes. You can, uh, decide to lock the doors to have only one entryway that you have metal detectors hired, like uh, police officers for certain schools. Like, uh, my school now the high school has a police officer in it all the time. Um, there's only like preventative things that you can do after the fact that something happens, not because you can't speculate, obviously, like for us, we can, we didn't know that this was going to happen. How can you prepare for that? Yeah. So it's just now you have to think of like the worst case and put as much as you can into those efforts. Like what you had said, like you guys for that school, you had brought up several things and they implemented those actually like very, fairly quickly. Um, and I know other schools now, especially with this recent uh, um, disaster, really that they're already implementing new changes immediately. Um, some schools are going to more drastic measures than others. Um, there's no real way to fully prepare for something like this. Yeah especially for schools. What's your take with respect to the second amendment and how it plays into, you know, everything right now? I mean, it's, it's an ever changing thought because mental health is a crazy, crazy thing. You can never know what the person is thinking beside you. If you don't know them at all, even if like they are close to you, you can't think you can't even comprehend something that they're thinking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel I've, I've talked to several really close friends. I've talked to several family members about this before where I believe like wholeheartedly, a lot of it is social media, a ton of it is social media, especially with the uh, unfiltered uh, amount of information that can be accessed by a youth. Um, there's not really like, like I said, the unfiltered, information a lot of it that you see on uh, social media is just straight up for uh, popularity for likes for anything else like that and um, a lot of it you don't see um, value of life kind of uh, information and like the students that do or the kids that do understand the value of life are obviously they're sometimes not on that cultural or popular train right um so they're not competing against other kids essentially. And that's another big thing is like, as well as mental health, like value of life is not really evaluated in schools. It's not something it's just schools are becoming something where it's just to have a kid come in, teach him the bare essentials, give him a GED, give him a, a certificate saying they did it Yeah. rather than saying like, 
having a, a connection to a student or I know it's really hard on the teachers too, but having connections within the school that can actually increase said value of life or those values morally upon a student, especially one that's in such an age where information is just unfiltered, readily available and insane. Mm. Mm. I think uh, some of what you just said is some uh, incredibly uh, wise, you know, uh, ideas and concepts uh, that uh, um, not many your age, I mean, you're still a young, young lad, uh, not many uh, think like what you just described. Uh, I, I too also believe, I think in, in today's world, there's uh, not a lot of thought or a lot of discussion about the value of life, like you said. Uh, and that's interesting. It's interesting to me. Yeah. And I also realized a little bit through that, that I kind of like shaded away from uh, the conversation of the topic of the, like the Second Amendment in this. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe like it's becoming to that point where it is a toss up between whether or not an 18 year old is too young because it's just, if you look back 30, 40 years ago, 18 year olds were pretty much to the point of maturity because they're either getting ready to go live out like a, a a blue collar workforce or they're getting ready to just like prepare for their life. And now you have 18 year olds that are essentially immature they can't handle a lot of this information so they can't it's becoming really honestly a scary toss-up whether or not it can be decided that an 18 year old should have it or a 21 year old should have it and like what the biggest thing i talked to really close uh family members uh and really close friends about this years ago or not years ago sorry uh weeks ago where it was like 75 years ago, 76 years ago, 16-year-olds were in the war, World War II. Mm-hmm. And previous, like before that, every other war, you had kids, like literal teens going into this war, yep. any of the wars. And yep. you have that uh, almost catch-22 thing now where it's like you have an 18-year-old that you have to be bare minimum 18-year-old to be able to go into uh, the military yeah. just as an adult, full on. Um, but second amendment wise, it's just come down to, well, for those who aren't in the military and for those who are just civilians, are they actually mental, mentally stable or mature enough to be able to actually have, uh, the ability to own this firearm response, like, and be responsible with it. And like any shop owner, unless they're incoherently like just crazy, uh, person coming into purchase one that's just obvious they can't read the person like that and i know Mm -hmm. like that's what a lot of background checks are supposed to be for um right for an 18 year old fresh other than family history a lot of it can be passed yeah 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 uh that's really uh, and again, it's really interesting to hear from your your perspective. Uh, and again, I think that there's some there's wisdom in what you say. Uh, in that uh, the eighteen year olds of today, at least many of them, are are 
different than the 18 year olds of yesteryear. Uh, yeah, that's something I've thought about before. You know, I think about my own children, you know, uh, I'm obviously trying to be the best dad that I can and try to raise them the right way and try to raise them to become adults and to be ready to be adults. Uh, but we do see um, so often, I think uh, our society has taken steps in the direction of protecting our children from adult things, mm-hmm. from responsibility, from difficulty, from challenge and trial. Like, uh, I know I see it. I mean, I see it in, sadly in some of my own friends' kids, you know, mm-hmm. where they're just protecting them too much. Um, and that, that's, I think the best way to explain it, as far as I can think, because, you know, when you were 16 years old and world war two was going on that you weren't being protected from anything <laughs> and it was a different world then. And heck, my, my grandfather dropped out of school at, you know, after eighth grade because he needed to go to work. Yeah. And at 16, he did, mm-hmm. uh, enlist in the, in the U S army. So, um, Yeah. Um, that is a perspective that I think is not always discussed is sometimes overlooked Mm -hmm. is talking about what the actual maturity of, of 18 year olds is. I think the difficulty there from a legal standpoint or a constitutional one is what arbitrary line, you know, do we draw then? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and also we have a society that is like pushing us more and more to grant certain rights to non-adults, to juveniles, uh, including voting even. That's been mm-hmm. you know discussed that like younger and younger, you know, teens should have the ability to vote and, and express their uh, opinion on political matters. Um, but then like if that's the case, like, like are they really truly – ready for that are they mature enough for that and obviously some kids are but not every kid is and that's why we have our you know arguably arbitrary cutoff uh points so anyway i appreciate you sharing your perspective man that's uh you know coming from you who's um you know a bit younger than me um i'm 38 years old you know so I, I I don't feel like high school was that long ago, but then again, I did have my 20 year anniversary or, or, or a reunion last year, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, Oh dang. Yeah. That was 20 years ago. And, and the world changes a lot in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which, yeah. That just reminds me just how old I am. Man. <laughs> I, there's kids that are graduating, right. Or have graduated already that I, could be their father, you know, mm-hmm. by going by age. And that's a little strange to me. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, um, we, I feel like we could obviously go on and talk and talk and talk some more about some things, but I told you, you know, this would be about an hour and we're, we're at an hour and 10 minutes. So what I, what I would like to do now, Adam is, is throw the ball back to you and basically just give you the floor for, however long you want at this point, I'm not going to interrupt you any further, but I'm just, I'm going to, I'm just giving you the opportunity to say anything that's on your mind, anything you want to put out there, anything you want to share, whatever that is. 
Mm-hmm. Right. This will be your opportunity. And, and when you're done, you're done and then we'll wrap it up. So how's that, how's that sound? The, the floor is now yours, my friend. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I did want to like actually share, um, because, uh, we did talk about Matt and, uh, the actual concealed carry course that, um, mm. is taught. And I did want to talk about that, uh, uh, briefly, um, up until, like I said, like, uh, up until the shooting, actually, like, our household, we had nothing but a 1022 and pretty much a brand new like bodyguard 380. Nothing else. Some air rifles, maybe that was mostly just for me to mess around with. Um, but after this incident, it became clear, especially like what we talked about earlier. It can happen to anyone, anywhere, anytime. And it's it became evident that like maybe we should actually look at some more protection for something. Um, so there were uh, a couple other firearms that we had purchased uh, specifically like for carry wise. And um, shortly after, I think 20, 2019 is uh, when my dad and I went to the CCW course. And this is like for the first of like my family, other than uh, my cousins. And um, through the entire course, I, I, I learned so much actually through it because a lot of it you don't expect to actually happen and or not happen, but like expect to know coming from it. And the biggest takeaway uh, that I had learned was that you have no other like legal right to anything other than being able to put your shirt over your firearm with the CC like W license. And you carry the burden so much of a burden with it. And, but that burden is just for your own protection. And, uh, a lot of times if you don't like, if you don't carry, if you carry your own defense weapon, that's uh, good because you're able to protect yourself. But for those that haven't, I have heard time and time again, that when something does happen to them, the next thing, like they don't feel comfortable being out in society again. And so they will start carrying a defense weapon, whether it's uh, any type of spray, uh, a melee weapon, uh, even firearm, anything that they can. Um, because you don't expect it to happen to you. And unfortunately things do happen. Um, and the biggest thought, like, especially going to CCW training, uh, you guys talk about codes to be in when you're carrying or out in public or in certain scenarios. And the biggest one, I believe it was a code yellow or code orange, uh, whichever one, uh, where you're supposed to have full mental, awareness of what's going on at you at all times. I had noticed at that point in that classroom that I had been strictly on code yellow for two years being out in public because of the shooting. Um, every time I went to a public outing or something like that, the first thing I did was look at a doorway, look at a closest exit, look at what's around me, who's around me. And this went for college too. Uh, for ONU, Macintosh dining hall is only one dining hall. And I just had this thought all the time when I'm in here, because sometimes I'd be eating alone. Uh, what corner of the room can I be in that I can watch everything with very little going on behind me? That's just the thought I was in. This is before having like the CCW course. So going to the, the course itself really brought upon light that like, Oh man, I have been in this state for two years 
And it's really reassuring to be able to hear that that's what you're supposed to be in when you're carrying or in general, when you're out in public. And so it had really like helped me to uh, become more aware of surroundings and like people, uh, especially after that. And then knowing that being able to uh, have a CCW when available, like having your concealed carry, uh, became a comforting thing or could become a comforting thing too. Hmm. Um, and I have been in areas now where it's like you go outside and you can hear shooting. And it's just one of those things where it's like, man, if I did, or if I didn't have a CCW or if I, I didn't have a concealed carry weapon, then what could happen to me? If I'm, if I were to become a victim, what could I do about it? Becomes the question. Rather than, oh no, I I can't do anything besides become a victim. So I mean, a lot of just and I've been to the training twice now. Uh, once when I went with my father, and then once when I went with my mother, and it just uh, hits the point home again where it's just consistently you have to think what's going on around you. You have to think um, uh, where can I go? What can I do? to ensure my protection and the ones that I care about or the ones of others around you escape plans, anything like that. And I, I know it sounds like a little bit like over preparedness, but even like talking to my dad about um, a home invasion stuff, like you want to have your last resort area, be the area that you want to go to uh, for your firearm or for your protection, because obviously if they're getting there, then it's time to use what you have available to you. Yeah. So it, it's it just became more of a clear conscious, especially like with firearms in general, um, how to use them, when to use them, or how to even train with them. Like when we have our own personal range, we go out and uh, use it when we can, and train for not any type of exercise, but just more or less train for um, responsiveness on the trigger, like train for accuracy, train for anything like that, because a lot of it just goes straight out the window in scenarios. But the more mental and the more um, muscle memory you can build doing it, the better off you'll be. So it it does sound like it could be over-preparedness, especially for the ones who don't have the access to all of that. But Mm -hmm. the biggest preparedness that you can have, or the biggest way to prepare is just essentially mentally. And I feel like for those two years where I walked around always having like what seemed to be a target on my back that really helped me to repair way farther down the line for potentially carrying a concealed firearm. So. Mm. Wow. Is that all you wanted to get out there? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> That's great, man. That has actually really, really good stuff, man. Um, mm. I was just thinking uh, in sort of response to a lot of what you were just saying about, uh, yeah, I actually the, the thought that came to my mind was when you were talking about that might seem like it's overly, you know, being overly prepared or something to that effect. I was like, yeah, but you've been in a situation where I doubt that was the way you would think if mm-hmm. placed in that situation again, is that, oh, I have way too much preparedness for this, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. If anything, you're like, oh man, I wish I had 
done this or I wish I had done that. I wish I'd put in more time. I wish I'd practiced more. I wish I, you know, mm. if anything, you have regrets, not exactly about what you didn't do, not what you did too well or too much of. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. Um, I'm sure that, you know, you'll carry through you or carry with you throughout your life, uh, you know, some form of baggage associated with this event uh, for, for many, many years to come. Um, but uh, I'd like to think that it has also, you know, um, that, I mean, it's a part of, it's a part of who you are. And I hope that, that it enhances, it ultimately enhances your life in some way, as far as like, you've learned certain lessons that most people probably don't and nor that we necessarily want them to have to, but like, I hope that in some way, and it sounds to me like you, you have, uh, I mean, it sounds like you're also doing all the right things. I mean, going, going to college and, and holding down a job and just trying to be a good, decent, productive human being. But like, you know, I hope that you're able to channel this negative, negative event and the emotions and everything from that into positive energy in some form, some fashion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right on. Adam, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I sincerely appreciate it uh, a lot. Uh, If there's anything I could do in return, you know, as a favor to you, don't hesitate to ask. Uh, Sincerely appreciate your time. Sincerely appreciate your complete openness and willingness to come on like this and, and talk about all these things and to do so, so transparently. Uh, And I hope, you know, some of what we talked about here today that in some way is helpful to somebody out there, uh, whether they're listening or they're watching. Um, and, and that is kind of what, why we do what we do here is to hopefully help people. So yep. Yep. thank you for being a part of that. Yep. And I do have one last message, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, I did think about this before as well, especially when I went to the second training class for uh, CCW. Um, even if you don't have a firearm, if you're just thinking about it, um, there's a numerous amount of information. There's so many resources available. Uh, even if it is just going to like a CCW class, granted, sometimes depending upon where you are, they can be expensive, but just having that information, having that ability to, uh, have a, such a good resource in front of you with an instructor. I mean, it can open your eyes to something totally different in terms of how you prepare, how you, uh, can defend yourself in anything. Um, one of the students in that second course had never seen a firearm in person, never held one, but they wanted to go through the training. And I completely and totally like on board with that because it gives them a calm, cool area that's uh, that they're able to practice this or able to actually learn it and be exposed to it with someone who knows an infinite amount of knowledge upon it. And it just, it just, I'm sure for them, it was a, a, a door opening, just a massive eye opening experience to them. And um, like, you don't have to have a firearm to be able to know the information of a firearm yeah, and how to defend yourself. And it, and for those that do own a firearm, maybe you learn something new in there, like a brand new law or, something that you just wouldn't expect to happen if you were to get in this scenario. And that could change a whole mental thought process between what happens in the scenario uh, 
and what could happen or what you do in the scenario, like the outcomes change. So I highly, highly um, just try to at least go to one or try to uh, watch CW courses or CCW courses. Just they are completely and totally uh, just a benefit. Mm. Again, thank you, uh, including for those final thoughts of yours. Adam, uh, wish you the best of luck, my friend. Uh, Be good out there. And, and, um, you know, again, anything we can do to help, just let me know. Uh, Thank you for being a part of this today. Awesome. Folks, uh, again, today's episode uh, sponsored by MountainCitySupply.com. And I hope to also see people at the uh, 2022 Guardian Conference in Oklahoma City uh in september and in fact you know what i'm gonna do something about it on the fly here uh adam i'm not sure if you'd be able to take advantage of it but if you would like to attend the 2022 guardian conference as a thank you to you uh for your graciousness and your time and your willingness to do this with me today uh, i would extend to you a free seat in that uh three-day training conference i know it's in oklahoma but (laughs) if you want to if you're able to uh, I would welcome you there and would love to see you there. Um, we don't just, you know, give away tickets willy nilly. They're, they're, they're kind of expensive. So um, let me know if you want to take me up on that. That would be amazing. Uh, yeah. But, but you would, you would, I would, uh, you know, let you attend uh, as my special guest and uh, yeah, I think it'd be awesome. So. All right. That would be awesome. All right. Folks, until next time, we hope that, uh, again, this has been helpful for you and useful information and inspirational, perhaps even. And so a reminder to you all out there to remember, train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Mm